Hello everyone, welcome to Mobile Hill Mountain, episode, I already forgot, 265. I'm Andrew Eisen, and I'm not wearing shoes. I'm not wearing socks, either. I am wearing pants, though, and that's the important thing. Even if I don't stand up, I, I, I think it, I think my audience appreciates it. So I've been playing Yakuza 7, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Finished it last night, stayed up late, which I shouldn't have because I had to get up early today to do work because, you know, server migration, I had to get up and test it when they were done. Like, oh, 5 a.m. I'm like, you're not going to be, that's when you're starting. I didn't get up that early. I got up at 8. They weren't ready to let for me to test until like 10. Of course, I was up till like 3. Because <laughs> video games. And I was playing a little bit of the post-game content uh, today. And I want to talk about sex in the Yakuza games. Now, sex, which is something I know a lot about and am an authority on. So, you, you can listen to what I have to say on the topic. I'm not just making stuff up. Sex in video games is usually boring, awkward, and oftentimes kind of problematic. Because sex in video games, its depiction, is generally speaking, this is a generalization, of course. Also, I've not played every video game. Um... It's transactional. Oftentimes what you see in video games is you will have a suite of potential partners to woo. How do you woo them? You ply them with money and gifts until they like you. Just like in real life, right? Not only is that... Um, objectifying it's unrealistic video games didn't have to be realistic but it's not fun it's boring you know also it, it treats sex like an end game a reward in yakuza a lot of the games have some type of dating mini game usually I feel that the Yakuza game... Hello, Chicago. Usually I feel that the Yakuza games do the dating aspect pretty decently. Um, while the end goal... Uh, let me get the bad stuff out of the way, and then I'll get to the good stuff. Now, the bad stuff, in my very humble yet inerrant opinion, is that sex is the end goal. And... Once you have sex with a character in the game, you have absolutely no reason to ever spend any time with them ever again. 
which your mileage may vary, feels kind of weird to me. I, I, I'm uncomfy with that. I'm also a huge prude. So, it feels like everything that led up to it culminated in sex and now, well, got mine, bye! You know, I think it could be handled better. Now, to be fair, you can continue dating the various uh, wooable partners in most of the Yakuza games. So you can still invite them out to go play darts, or sing karaoke, or go bowling, bring bowling back. Um, which, uh, what I like about the relationship minigame stuff is... It is beyond the typical just give them gifts until their heart meter fills up mechanic which typifies sex and dating in video games. In a lot of the Yakuza games, you have to spend time with people and get to know them and hang out with them. So you... you uh, have dinner with them and you talk to them and you learn about them and you express an interest in them and you do fun things with them and that builds your relationship which always culminates in sex maybe one way to um make me feel better about how this how, how these things work is if they didn't always culminate in sex because it doesn't have to, right? That said, I do like the progression. It's better than just give them money, give them gifts, fill up the meter, then they have sex with you, right? Because I, I don't like it when the... Firelight, I haven't seen you in a while, hello. Because I don't like it when my potential partners in video games feel like... Um, vending machines that sex comes out of, right? You know, you put in the coins and you twist the knob and out comes the sex. That's that's weird to me. But Yakuza generally does a pretty good job of at least making our hero feel like he has an actual relationship with an actual person. So when the sex happens, it's like, yeah, I, I could see these two boning. They have a relationship. Where it kind of goes off the rails for me a, a bit is... That's the end-all be-all, the end goal. It's like, okay, we've had sex, I have no use for you ever again. Again, you can still date them, you can still do some of the minigame activities with them, so it's not as bad as it could be, but I think it could be better. In addition to the good things it already does. Which brings us to Yakuza 7, Like a Dragon. I don't like the way it's handled in this game. Um, how it works is you have a few different, uh, four different potential mates, uh, peoples, uh, peoples that you can woo. What's interesting is, because I'm a dense male, I wasn't clear at the start that I was even wooing them. So here's how the mechanic works. You have um, different aspects of your personality. Passion, intelligence, charisma, um, 
and they scale hello and they scale up the more you do stuff in the game right um once you reach a certain threshold in the personality trait that one of the people you can woo finds appealing then they'll talk to you then you give them their favorite flower then you have to up your stat in that personality trait some more talk to them again and then give them five flowers or uh what is a bundle of flowers a bouquet bouquet of flowers then you max out your whichever one of those personality stats are talk to them again give them 10 bouquets of flowers their favorite flower and then you have to do a certain thing like the the, the woman who runs the um, vocational school if you take and pass all of the vocational courses then she'll have sex with you she'll drag you into the back room and jump your bones the woman who works at the um, employment agency uh, up your stat talk to her give her flowers uh, then once you've tried each and every uh, job she will drag you out into the parking lot and have sex with you while some old guy watches it's a little creepy the woman in the bar now these women are all different of course they like a different aspect of your personality and they like different flowers talk to, raise the appropriate stat give her enough flowers um, then she just drags you up to your room and has sex with you I, I don't think you have to actually do anything specific on that one now you might be thinking okay well at least when you talk to them is it interesting no because it just fades to black and there's no conversation you talk to her off screen well that's a missed opportunity that's kind of dull so all you're doing is just raising a stat and farming enough uh, resources to buy a sh metric butt ton of flowers so that you can have sex with one of the characters in the game why would you want to do that especially since it just fades to well pink and um what it, there's a little management sim you can now once you've had sex with someone now you can hire them at your company well i mean at least you're at least you're boning your friends before you're their boss kind of awkward don't do that after that that's that's a that's that's not a power that's a bad that's an imbalance of power don't do that so at least it got that right but in comparison to the earlier games it's just kind of dull because you don't feel really like you're forming a relationship it feels completely transactional like i've plied you with enough flowers now jump my bones and then I found out I didn't realize it was doing this but once you complete the management minigame uh, Aerie will jump your bones and once you've jumped everyone else's bones psycho will jump your uh, psycho will jump your bones well they, they don't jump your bones they just smooch you in your sleep they have like almost exactly the same cutscene where uh, Kasuga feels drowsy so he goes upstairs to lay down and they and dreams about them smooching him and he wakes up oh my gosh and he comes downstairs with lipstick on his cheek same cutscene both times then once you've done all of that 
all six women converge on the bar where you are and find out about each other and beat the shit out of you. Would be nice if there were some age-appropriate women. Because they're all... They all seem to be at least a decade younger. Would also be nice if there were some age-appropriate women in Kasuga's life that he wasn't boning. Because the scene at the end is not that funny. Um... <laughs> Chicago says, now that we got the sexual tension out of the way, want to work for me? Yeah, exactly. It's it's a little weird. You've had sex with this person. Now you can hire them. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, so you might be thinking, Andrew, you're a constructive person. So, uh, what would you say is the, which game... Uh, have you played that you think portrays dating and sex the best? I'm glad you didn't ask. But I'm going to answer anyway. Uh, I forgot. It's a puzzle game. Uh, honey something? Honey pop? I think it's honey pop. And I think they spell honey weird. I think it's, it ends in I-E or something. Anyway. Uh, oh, no, 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 it's H-U, it's, it's not H-O, so not as in, you know, bees, honey, honey as in, honey, I'm home. So, Honey Pop, surprisingly, does uh, dating and sex probably better than any other game I've seen. And it actually has an abstract representation of having sex via puzzle game mechanics, which surprisingly works really well. Especially for a smut game where the end goal is to have sex. To save the universe, you know. It's, it's a weird game. At least I, th I, I... Yeah, I think there's like an angry sex god and you have to train to... Uh, to... <laughs> to uh, please them, so you have to... Uh, work on your lovemaking skills and the only way to do that is practice it's actually um, if you don't mind smut and t to be honest the, the art style I generally don't find particularly appealing but uh, fairly solid puzzle mechanics has some really interesting ideas and does actually in an abstract way represent through game mechanics what you're doing which honestly i was not expecting that from that little game i forget who bought that for me. one one of you crazy kids bought that for me too so thanks i think i played it on one of the streams like a year or two ago so yeah chicago says h-u-n-n-y honey pop pop <clears throat> so um Yeah, I, I think that's enough of that. So let us move on to talking about... Oh, let's talk about Activision again. Cafe Fox says, I really... I actually really liked Honey Pop 
lol thanks for suggesting it you're welcome it's um yeah be aware it's a it is a smut game like like there are uh, illustrated depictions of there are no penises in that game i don't think yeah i don't think so but but full female nudity at least so um and copious sex juices although you can censor that i think i think i don't remember um i actually didn't know it was explicit um when i was streaming it um i'm glad i didn't get that far in the game while i was streaming it um so yeah so uh good job honey pop well done all right, so uh, Activision. As we know, Activision is a um, video game company. Makes video games that many of us like to play. Unfortunately, it is run by some absolute monsters. And sadly, the absolute monsters are making other rich people a lot of money. So the other rich people who are in a position to maybe hold them to account don't really seem to be interested in doing much more than tut-tutting. talked about this last week with uh, Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony, who, and I think I forgot to mention this specifically, but n they released, st released statements, and I'll get into the air quotes here in a sec, all saying, oh, we're very, we're deeply disturbed by the uh, what we're hearing about Activision that, that's that's bad that that that's terrible terrible what I forgot to mention last week is none of them actually released a statement they just all of the statements if I'm recalling correctly and I should have verified this before the uh, podcast a shame on me I, I believe all three statements were leaked internal company emails they weren't press releases. So it was even lamer than I led you to believe last week. Well, the Game Awards are this month sometime. And uh, that is a very large platform that from which uh, there is the opportunity to maybe do something to try and make this right. And again, it's not just Activision, it's you know, also Ubisoft and Riot Games and uh, many others, sadly. So, uh, Jeff Keighley uh, had an interview with the Washington Post earlier. And unfortunately, like a lot of journalists do, they don't just transcribe the damn interview, there's just a couple quotes so i don't know the full comments and i don't know the full context which is kind of frustrating but um washington post apparent hello chaos uh the post asked keely about um the the game awards involvement with activision blizzard um in light of all the uh horrendous abuse that act that the heads of activision allow protect and participate in um keely said and this is not a correct direct quote uh 
that they are reevaluating their relationships with the company out of concern over the lawsuits allegations and those reported uh, in the Wall Street Journal recently. Again, I want to be clear that that's not a direct quote, so I don't know exactly what he was asked or exactly how he responded. But generally speaking, when a company says we're evaluating or we're looking into it, it means we're not doing anything. Not always. But when you're saying, well, we're evaluating this, we're reevaluating this, we're thinking about it, they're not doing anything. Not always. But a lot of the times it ends up being that way. Uh, Keeley actually goes on, this is a direct quote, we want to support employees and developers. And then, non-quote, uh, he supports people coming forward with their stories, but also doesn't want to diminish developers' opportunities to spotlight their games at the Game Awards. Quote, we have to think very carefully about how to proceed here. Again, I don't have the full quote or the full context, but what this sounds like is the Keeley and the Game Awards aren't going to do anything at all. Now, I get the impression, again, this is just an impression because I don't have the full quotes, thanks Post, that Keeley seems to think, and, you know, the Game Awards in general, seems to think that what people are asking is, well, are you going to uh, not, you know, just completely cut Activision out of the entire Game Awards? Don't nominate any of their games, uh, don't talk about them, don't run any commercials or trailers for their games, that kind of stuff. Or do nothing. As everyone watching this, right, is probably yelling at the screen, it's like, well, that's, you know, do... Completely cut Activision out of the show or do nothing are, are not the only options here. There, there's stuff in the middle you could do. It's, it's a large platform. A lot of people are watching it. You could say something. You're talking at the camera a lot. You could say, hey, this crap that's going on at Activision, not okay. Bobby Kotick should resign in disgrace and never work in a position where he has power over anyone ever again. And that goes with the rest of the board. They should all be replaced. These awards are for the developers who made the games. Kotick et al., they don't actually do anything. They don't make the games. They're not, you know, they're not coding. They're not drawing art. They're just making money and firing people to make more. You could, you could still nominate games from Activision, but you could, uh, you know, men, every time an Activision game is nominated, you know, and same with you know Ubisoft and others, you know, it's, every time I talk about Ubisoft, I say it's a, it's a company that for decades has been uh, harboring and protecting uh, sex pests because it is.
maybe these come maybe if uh, we're you know the big platforms constantly were out in front on that stuff the various shareholders would kick these people off who knows couldn't hurt But it does. It did sound like uh, uh, the Game Awards was doing absolutely nothing. Uh, Chicago says the Game Awards are on December 9th. Okay. Um, which is the middle of the week, isn't it? Let me look. Uh, it's a Thursday. That's a good day. That's convenient. I, uh, Chicago says, I wish they were on a weekend, not on a Thursday. Yeah. So, um... Everyone thought that... Now, again, it's kind of hard to yell at anyone because don't have the full quotes, don't know exactly what they said, but it seems like the Game Awards are... it. What it... The impression that those statements printed in the post give is we recognize that Activision abuses its employees, but they make a lot of money, so we're not willing to rock that boat. So Jeff Keighley uh, actually, uh, was it today? It was yesterday. Said on Twitter, Beyond its nominations, I can confirm that Activision Blizzard will not be a part of this year's Game Awards. The Game Awards is a time of celebration for this industry, the biggest form of entertainment in the world. There is no place for abuse, harassment, or predatory practices in any company or any community. I also realize we have a big platform which can accelerate and inspire change. We are committed to that, but we all need to work together to build a better and more inclusive environment so everyone feels safe to build the world's best games. All of us are accountable to this standard. Incredible games and the talented developers who build them are who we want to celebrate. See you on Thursday. That's nice. Doesn't say exactly what you're doing though it says beyond its nominations i can confirm that activision blizzard will not be a part of this year's game awards okay so does that mean you're not running any activision trailers what about ubisoft or riot hmm. so i was browsing around um the, the game awards site and uh Looked at the uh, advisory board. The advisory board helps uh, guide and advance the mission of the Game Awards. The board's not involved in the selection of award nominees or winners and uh, learns of the results of voting at the same time as the general public. So, who does the advisory board include? Oh. Rob Kostich, the president of Activision. Huh. Huh. How about that? What else is on here? Do, do, do. Ooh. Mark Merrill, co-founder and co-chairman, co co-founder of Riot. Hmm. Oh, look. Yves Jumeau from Ubisoft. Well, you know... Maybe they haven't had a chance to update their site yet.
Jeff, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say your heart's in the right place, but you are blowing this, sir. I don't have a huge platform. Maybe the bigger your platform is, the more difficult it is to do the right thing. I don't know. I'll probably never know. Certainly shouldn't be. But um, when you get on Twitter and say, uh, oh, they have no involvement. Except, you know, just, you know, some of the games are nominated for different awards, but that celebrates the developers, not the people who run the company. Activision has no other involvement except, um, you know, except they're on the advisory board. Again, you know, maybe you didn't update the website. But you seem to have no problem partnering with people who have been shown to be monsters for decades. Why would you do that? If Ubisoft or Activision make a video game that I really want to play, I'll buy it and I'll play it. But I wouldn't invite Bobby Kotick or Yves Joumeau into my home for tea. Because fuck both of them. Maybe that's easy for me to say because I'm a nobody with a very small platform. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure, certainly not having tea with people who uh, enable, protect, and oftentimes participate in abuse. But that's me. So, let us move on to a nicer topic. One I've been meaning to talk about for weeks. And that is the... Trying to roll my arc. Great! There we go. Ace Attorney. <clears throat> so, I finally finished uh, the Great Ace Attorney 1 and 2. Uh, a couple weeks ago, actually. Took me a long time. It took me a couple of months to get through those games. They're Fairly lengthy. I think these are probably some of the longest uh, are, are pushing up the average of th these games' lengths. Um, probably my least favorite of the... Um, I love the Ace Attorney franchise, but I would say the Great Ace Attorney, probably my least favorite. Not bad. I enjoyed it. But, um, yeah, probably my least favorite of the, uh, the entire series. Again, they're still good. So, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago, uh, I was talking about racism in The Great Ace Attorney. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, uh, The Great Ace Attorney uh, takes place uh, sometime at the turn of the 19th century... Uh, turning into the 20th century, I believe. No, actually, when does it take place? Uh, I forget. Yeah, it, somewhere around the 19th turn into the 20th century. Somewhere around there. 
so 1900 thereabouts. Uh, our hero uh, lives in Japan, and he moves to Britain to be a lawyer. The people there are very racist towards our hero, uh, Naruhodo Ryunosuke. Is that accurate for the time period? Yeah. That's accurate for pretty much any time period. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we've... Thank goodness we solved racism a few years back, right? Um, but I had talked about uh, the, race, the, the way racism is depicted in the game and how I thought it was really odd. Now, when I said this, I had not yet completed the first game. But I had said at the time that I felt uh, the racism was off-putting and thus far uh, unnecessary, it seemed to me. Uh, the racism, while historically accurate, didn't seem to have any narrative or character purpose. At that point, uh, midway through, like just starting into chapter five, so towards the end of the first game, I was like, you know what? Uh, as of right now, I probably would have just cut the racism because it's it's not serving the characters, it's not serving the narrative, and it's just really off-putting. So, I heard from a few, uh, uh, few of my viewers, uh, one of which took the time to write a very, very lengthy uh, YouTube comment, which I told them that I would read after I finished the game because it was chock chock-a-block with spoilers uh, and I did go back and read it and found an absolutely fascinating read and once again I do want to say thank you for uh, taking the time uh, to put all of your thoughts and opinions uh, into paragraph upon paragraph of uh, uh, comments I, I really enjoyed reading it and found your found your perspective fascinating so thank you very much for taking the time to do that 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 was that was not a quick bang out my thoughts and be done with it. You obviously put a lot of time and thought into that. And I appreciate that. But now that I've finished both games, what are my thoughts on the way racism is? Uh, um, what are my uh, Chicago says uh, they just want an excuse to be racist in game? I don't think so. The the game was uh, is made by a Japanese developer, and the Japanese character. Uh, the hero of our story, our protagonist, is on the receiving end of the racism. So, that feels weird, right? Um, so, now that I've completed the games, uh, I, I had heard that, uh, trying to sum up what uh, my commenter uh, had said, was that the racism actually does factor into the plot, but it really doesn't until like the second game and they were right uh the racism actually does have a bearing on both character and narrative but it's not really clear until pretty much the very end of the first game and then bleeding into the second game so Because it, it, it isn't it really isn't until the second game where you start figuring out what's really going on and what the what the game's really about. 
which is kind of weird. Uh, Great Ace Attorney 1 and 2 is one big game. It's not like a full complete game and a full complete sequel. It's just one really long damn game. Like, um, I, I'm still probably in the, uh, I'm in chapter 3 of, of uh, uh, Trails in the Sky second chapter. But from what I understand, Trails in the Sky 1 and 2 was one big damn game that they just cut in half. And yet, Trails in the Sky first chapter feels like its own thing. I, I feel like I could a gamer could start second chapter and be fine without playing the first. The game sums itself up pretty well. You, you don't really need to play the you don't need to play the first to get what's going on in second chapter. Great Ace Attorney 2, not gonna make any damn sense unless you play the first one. It is a direct it, it's not like it's one big game cut in half. Um, I, I don't know if that was originally the plan to be one game, and they're like, oh my god, this thing's 70 hours long. We need to cut this in half. No idea. But man, I'm glad they got the sequel out, because, wow, the first game is really unsatisfying without it. Uh, Chicago says they could have wanted the gamers to understand what it feels uh, to have racism aimed at them. Perhaps, but now that I've played the entire game, I don't think so. Um, the game, uh, the, the game, without spoiling really anything, uh, the, the game gets into, um, <clears throat> well, it's an international plot, uh, with backroom deals and it gets real heavy into how characters you have some characters who visited uh, from japan you know 10 years ago and then one of them murdered a, a british citizen and so the brother of that citizen now hates all japanese people because one japanese guy killed his brother so now he hates all japanese people which no that's not understandable that's just racist um, but, I mean, I, I remember, uh, a couple years back, there was a, a person whose, uh, some family member was killed by a drunk driver. And so she now, um, advocates against, uh, anyone immigrating from south of the border. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Well, the drunk driver happened to be an undocumented worker. And because this person is a horrible racist, they were like, I'm not going to advocate against drunk driving. No, the problem is immigrants. So, it's not like a Capcom was just making that stuff up. That stuff still happens today. So, it's not like it was unrealistic doesn't make him too endearing of a character. Although at least the character does kind of recognize that he's a horrible racist, even though he doesn't really do anything about that. Um, so the racism in the game uh, services, eventually services the plot and the characters. So did it need to be there to tell the story that they wanted to tell? Yes. Um, 
do I still have my critiques? Yes. I think it would have helped, at least for me, to make it clear earlier in the narrative why the racism was important. Or at the very least that it's it's an important part of the characters in the story that's being told. Because throughout most of the first game, it all the characters are just really casually racist. And it's weird. And it's really off-putting. Which leads into my second critique. Uh, our character, Rinosuke, and um, Susato, I think is her name, uh, his legal assistant, they almost never actually react to anyone being racist towards them. Occasionally, they'll have an inner monologue that says, did he really just say that? Or, <sighs> you know, kind of an exasperated say. Occasionally, you'll get something like that, but usually it's just like water rolling off a duck's back. Um, which makes it feel like... Like the racism is okay, like it's oh they're just they're just silly they're they're ju they just they don't know how to be polite. We're being the it's weird to me that Rinosuke and Sasato seemingly don't recognize not that they're not bothered, not that they uh, expect it or don't expect it, but they genuinely don't seem to notice. I I think it might have worked better if. Now they are not in a. They are guests in the country, so I can ima I I could totally understand narratively them uh, not feeling like they're in a position to really push back against the racism because if they did, they feel like they'd probably just be deported back home, and they might have been, but they do have inner monologues. That's what the blue text in the parentheses is for. That's what they're thinking. They could just say, "Well, that's racist." Well, that's a horrible thing to say. What a terrible human being. We can fix them. So, I, I think... Um, so, I'm very happy to see that the, the racism actually did factor into the plot and did inform the characters and was a necessary part of the narrative. I think it could have been improved by somehow showing the players that it was a necessary part of uh, the narrative and characters earlier in the experience and also having the victims of the racism actually notice i i think that would have helped could be wrong but uh, them's my impressions uh let's see uh, poodle hello did your sister already lift the weights for extra life um, yes, yes, several weeks ago at, at the end of the marathon. Um, I am currently uh, posting the um, uh, the entire marathon chunk by chunk on my YouTube channel. And that's at the end, so it's going to be a couple weeks. But uh, if you missed it, that will be uh, its own video uh, on my uh, YouTube channel eventually. So, um, so look, look forward to that. There was one moment in Great Ace Attorney... I'm going to spoil something. 
Um, so spoilers for the ending of Great Ace Attorney, I guess. Um, but th this was just kind of funny to me. So the plot revolves around a murderer from 10 years, 10 years ago. A uh, serial killer from 10 years ago who used a giant dog to tear the throats out of um, some of the local aristocracy. Like four or five people were killed. Had their, had their necks just yanked right off by some big damn dog. Because they're doing the whole Hound of the Baskervilles thing. It turns out that our racist prosecutor, his brother, was actually the serial killer. And at the very end of the game, <clears throat> our heroes are talking to uh, our racist prosecutor, and they're like, "Dude, you've been um, you've been researching and investigating the uh, serial killer for the last ten years. Did it seriously never?" not once cross your mind that it could have been your brother? And he goes, well, maybe once. Okay. Uh, does your brother, uh, I don't know, by any chance happen to own a dog? Does my brother own a dog? Oh, yeah. Huge, big, mean dog with sharp teeth. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> what's, uh, what's, the, what's it, what's, uh, and his, um, so yeah, his brother had a big damn dog. And his wife's family name, Baskerville. <laughs> and I almost, I, that almost turned me off of the game. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Never suspected my brother with a big damn flesh-eating dog. <laughs> big old hunting dog. Um, big, big old mean bastard. He's <laughs> sick of on foxes and stuff. <laughs> oh, man. I was like... And, and then I thought about it a bit more. I went, I mean, you know, I imagine having big mean hunting dogs was probably not uncommon for the aristocracy back then, so... That would kind of like being like, the serial killer wore shoes. Did your brother have shoes? Yeah. Why didn't you put two and two together? Because everybody has shoes. And likewise, I imagine most of the aristocracy had big hunting dogs like that. And that would not have been a notable thing. So the more I thought about it, I was like, eh, okay. But for a minute there, I was, oh, come on. I was throwing my arms up all exasperated like. Um, <clears throat> the games um, <clears throat> don't do as much investigatively as I would have liked. Now, the, the, the Ace Attorney games, with a couple exceptions, are more about the courtroom than they are the investigation, but this one's even less so, which I found kind of disappointing. I also found the characters not as fun or interesting. Like, honestly, 
I'd, I'd rather play another game starring Apollo than than Ryunesuke Naruhodo. Um, he's just... He and Susato are just... bland. They're okay. They're fine. Also, I, I found out, uh, because I, I listened to... Uh, the collection the, the on the Switch, the Greatest Attorney Chronicles 1 and 2... Has some nice, uh, nice um, uh, special features. Uh, it, it includes uh, some cool uh, advertise uh, uh, promotional material that they did for the first game in Japan, uh, which is all in Japanese, but it's subtitled, so that's very nice. And what I found out is um, Herlock Holmes in Japanese was just Sherlock Holmes. Now. I remember we talked about this on Game Politics back in the day. And I thought it was weird. I, I remember thinking, well, that's stupid. Why are they localizing it to Sherlock Holmes? I'm sorry, Herlock Holmes. The character of Herlock... Sherlock Holmes, the character, is in the public domain. You don't have to do that. That's weird. Then I played the game. And the character is really not Sherlock Holmes. I'm like, oh, okay, they, they, they're calling him Herlock Holmes just to differentiate him from the literary character. It's based on him, but it's kind of a inversion of that character. Okay, I, I see what they're doing here. Then I found out that in the, the original Japanese games, it's just Sherlock Holmes. So, did the localizers just think that was dumb? Because it, it's not copyright. Again... Sherlock Holmes is a public domain character. Like Dracula. You can, you can you can write about Sherlock Holmes. It's fine. Now there are some elements that are still under copyright. But the character itself is public domain right now. So I I, I don't know I, I don't know. But whatever. I also recall the um, um, advertising for the collection, Great Ace Attorney 1 and 2, boasting that, Oh, we've got voice acting now! Um, uh, beyond just the, yeah, uh, 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 objection! You, you know, just the small uh, sound clips. Technically true. Our favorite kind of truth. Um, most of the chapters, not all of them, I think there's one that doesn't, have an opening that's narrated. Like, a couple, of, oh, we got this person for Herlock Holmes, great. They've got maybe six voice lines in the entire game. There's like one cutscene with Herlock Holmes. I, and at that point, it's like, why did you bother? I, I mean, there, there, there's, there's like one cutscene uh, towards the beginning of the second game, I think, that's fairly extensive and fully voiced, which is uh, actually just kind of weird because almost nothing else is. I, now there is a absolute butt ton of dialogue in this game, and uh, you'd probably need several discs. <laughs> <laughs> It'd take them years to uh, record all that dialogue. But, um... 
I don't, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I was actually kind of afraid of the uh, voice work. Because I, I thought, like, all of the cutscenes, all the major uh, story cutscenes would be um, uh, voiced. They are not. Which I'm actually kind of thankful for. Not not that the voice actors do a bad job. I, I think uh, uh, Ryunosuke and uh, Susato actually do a really nice job to my very untrained ear. Do a really nice job of... They, they sound... I would not be surprised to learn that the actors uh, have... Uh, uh, come from Japan or, or at least live there for a time because the accents sound they're speaking English and they've almost got a British uh, accent to it but I can also hear the, the Japanese accent it sounds really good to my ear it sounds authentic to my ear it could be completely put on I don't know but it definitely sounds like um, a Japanese person's is speaking English, um, British English. So, um, uh, one of the things that typifies the Ace Attorney games is the incredibly absurd characters. And there is that here, but it's definitely pulled back. Like they wanted, they wanted great Ace Attorney to be more serious, but it's kind of straddling between I mean it's still goofy but it's not as much fun so it's too goofy to really be played straight but not goofy enough to be as fun as the other games which is uh which is a shame but uh I I still even though I would say the great ace attorney uh, games are my least favorite uh of the Ace Attorney games. Uh, I still enjoyed my time with them. And um, I'm very glad to see that the uh, the racism actually had a, a narrative and character purpose. Even if I feel it could have been handled even better. So, uh, them's my thoughts. Glad I, glad I finally remembered to actually talk about that because it's been on my notes for like the past uh two podcasts i just kept getting sidetracked by other things so <laughs> god all right so uh that's it for the podcast for tonight we are going to uh tomorrow Sunday stream, noon Pacific Standard Time. Uh, we're going to go back to Trails in the Sky, uh, second chapter, play some more of that. Um, a game that I'll probably be playing for the next six years at this rate, because I'm very, very slow. Because I have to uh, have to talk to everybody all the time. Every, every time some type of uh, story event happens, all the characters say new things, and i got to go talk to them all. So... But that's part of the fun of the game. Uh, so hopefully you are enjoying my um, opposite of a speed run. <laughs> it's, a, it's a slow crawl through uh, Trails in the Sky. Is anyone speed running these games? I mean, probably one person is. Um, RPG, I actually do know that um, several RPGs are... 
I know people speedrun RPGs. And many of them are like four to six hours long. That's... If you're having fun with it, go for it. That seems... A speed run that takes more than, I don't know, an hour and a half seems weird to me. It's like, alright kids, settle down, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna speed run a Final Fantasy VI. It's like, how long is that gonna take? Four and a half hours. <laughs> oh, God. Um, especially some, some of the older, uh, uh, Final Fantasy Dragon Quest, the early era, uh, top-down pixel art games uh, the with the text parser, not text parser, uh, although that would be kind of interesting if any of the old text parser like Sierra Adventure games were um, speedrun. I know there's a speedrun for Typing of the Dead, which is the uh, light gun game that uses the, uh, the keyboard instead of the gun, so that could be interesting too. Hmm. Speedruns are cool. I don't do them, though, because I slow. Anyway, that's it for tonight. Uh, thanks, everyone, for hanging out with me and listening to me blabber about things. And I uh, hope you'll join me tomorrow at noon Pacific Standard Time for some more Trails in the Sky, second chapter. That's it for tonight. Have a wonderful rest of your evening, everyone. Eat healthy, brush your teeth. Take care. Bye-bye.